1: The all electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And ToolMart, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, hello everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA. It's a Tuesday ahead of a a pretty warm day right across the southwest of Western Australia tomorrow. Of course, it's already been warm uh, through the goldfields and in the north of the state. But uh, certainly spring is arriving pretty quickly and summer's just around the corner. And speaking of summer, as we know... um, Cricket is underway, and I'll bring you up to date uh, in the match between WA and South Australia in a moment. But last night, this was the big news: uh, Lockie Neal winning his second Brownlow Medal, and this is how it unfolded. Melbourne, Jay Viney, three votes. Western Bulldogs. M. Bontempelli, three votes. Brisbane. Yay! L. Neal, three votes. And I declare the winner
0: of the 2023 Brownlow Medal, Lockie Neal of the Brisbane Lions Football
2: Club. It doesn't sit very well, Hayme, at the moment. Um, I'm sure it'll sink in at a later date. Um, I'm... I'm pretty rattled, to be honest, so apologies if this doesn't go too well. Um, I did not expect this, and to be amongst some of those names that have won two is um, unbelievable.
1: That was last night. Uh, That's the big story for the good oil for Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. Lockie Neal claiming his second Brownlow medal. As we know, uh, wasn't selected in the All-Australian team but won the Brownlow medal against Expectations. And I think, uh, for memory, is about on the fourth line of betting, maybe in the fifth line of betting, to take off the award last night. And I think everybody felt for Nick Dacos, even though he's only 20 years of age and playing his second season of AFL football. Clearly, he was the best player this season. Had he not missed those uh, last few games, he surely would have picked up a vote or two. And you think that Nick Dacos would have been crowned the Brownlow medalist, but that's the way it goes and that's the way the cookie crumbles, as they say. So congratulations to Lockie Neal. Richly deserve a second Brownlow medal, now in rarefied air, as only 16 players in the history of VFL-AFL football have claimed two Brownlows. And this is what he had to say today, after, of course, sleeping on it last night and coming up today.
2: Uh, No, no, it hasn't. Uh, Probably won't until the off season, I think. Um, Obviously, all our attention and focus is on this weekend, but um, yeah, it hasn't sunk in. And um, probably firstly, I want to give a shout out to Nick Dacos. Um, He's had such an amazing season so far, and it hasn't finished for him yet either. But um, if it wasn't for his injury, I think the medal would have been his and uh, he would have been a thoroughly deserving winner and I, I feel for, for Nick, um, he's had so much pressure and intensity and scrutiny on him this year and the way that he's performed has been um, amazing to watch uh, and yeah I, I feel for him and and also Bond as well, I think he had an amazing year once again, he's such a great player to watch, one of my favourites to watch so um, I, I do feel a little bit for those two um, in particular, Nick. Uh, yeah, his, his injury probably cost him a, a brown line medal, but I'm sure he'll be um, in amongst it for the next 15 years. So, um, yeah, but yeah, feel very hum- humbled as well. Uh, I've received a lot of really nice messages from from people um, all around Australia. So, I thank them for that, and um, looking forward to today's open training session. We got a, a heap of fans here with more to roll in um, over the next hour or two. So uh, excited for for today and and the rest of the week now.
1: There you go. The big story, certainly in the last 24 hours, stemming out of last night, Lockie Neal claiming his second Brownlow medal for Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown harvested and first cold-pressed in Northern Victoria. What's interesting regarding Brisbane winning uh, the premierships, and as we know, at the uh, turn of the century. They were victorious in 2001, 2002, and 2003. And in 2001, Jason Akamanis won the Brownlow and Brisbane won the Premiership. In 2002, Simon Black won the Brownlow and Brisbane won the Premiership. So two out of the three years that Brisbane took off the flag in that three-peat, they had secured Brownlow medalists in 2001 and 2002. And a man that played in those two grand finals is Bo McDonald, our very own West Australian. And he's going to join us because he was the ruckman and the ruck rover was Craig McRae, who is the current coach of the Collingwood Football Club. So we're going to get a real insight into Bo when he was playing for the Brisbane Lions. Craig McRae was the ruck rover. He is one of the midfielders as we term it. What sort of player was he? And is he surprised with what Craig McRae has been able to get out of Collingwood? Who, as we know, it's a pressure cooker job when you're the coach of the Magpies. One of the biggest brands when it comes to sport In the country. So, Bo McDonald's going to join us in uh, a little while. And also later on, I'll be speaking to the Perth Glory coach because the glory season is not far away. And in fact, next week, they take on Melbourne Victory in a couple of friendly matches before the season gets underway. And the coach of the Melbourne Victory is Tony Popovich, who took the Perth Glory to their highest ever feat in their existence in the A League when they took out the. Premiership Trophy or the Champions Trophy for finishing on top of the A-League. Of course, they lost in the grand final to Sydney FC on penalties, but they won the Premier's plate by finishing on top. And Tony Popovich was the coach of the Perth Glory. So those two get together for matches next week. So I'll speak to uh, Alan Stancic a bit uh, later on in the program. But now for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. They are dangerous, They are dangerous, whether it's Manic Mondays or Manic Tuesdays, whenever the AFL clubs get together to celebrate the end of the season. Reportedly, Sydney co-captain Callum Mills has been sent for surgery after wrestling with a teammate at Mad Monday celebrations. And now he's in doubt for round one of next season, according to Mitch Cleary from uh, the Seven Network who's reporting that. So Callum Mills playing a bit of silly buggers with his teammates and all of a sudden he's done his shoulder, he's going in for surgery and he's unlikely at this stage, depending on the recovery, uh, could be out of round one in 2024. In the cricket, the Marsh Cup continues and it looks like Drew has been hit in the helmet for South Australia off the bowling of AJ Ty with his very first delivery. AJ has pitched one short and it's hit... Drew on the helmet. So he's going to now be seen to by the medical staff to make sure he's okay. But uh, WA, by the way, made a very, very good total. Uh, 371 was the total by the West Australians. And top score, 86 to Ashton Turner of 44 balls, 89 of 91 balls for Sam Whiteman. And a real Cavalier performance by Nick Hobson. In the latter overs, clobbering 64 off 28 balls. 371 is the total. And South Australia, in reply, are one for 47. One for 47. Cameron Gannon getting the only wicket so far. got Fraser McGurk out for 17. Hunt and Drew, who's been seen to by the doctor at the moment after being hit in the helmet, are not out at this point in time. In the 13th over, they are one for 47. And in just some other sport, uh, going back to football, Collingwood has ruled out vice captain, Taylor Adams, out of the grand final this week after he left the training track early today with hamstring tightness. Adams only lasted 30 minutes uh, during the open session at Olympic Park, heading indoors and speaking to fitness staff after taking a shot. At goal. A lot has been said going back to the Brownlow medal about the umpires and whether they should still continue to maybe award votes. A lot of conjecture, particularly the round six match where Lockie Neal, who became a dual Brownlow medalist after flying under the radar during the 2023 season, he missed selection, as we know, for the all Australian team. And he was convincingly beaten in the players and the coaches' MVP awards by the likes of Marcus Bontempelli, Nick Dacos and Zach Butters. But there's a pocket of footy fans were outraged when Neil polled three votes in round six, a win over the Giants in which he did not poll a single coach's vote. So Gillam McLaughlin was asked if umpires should be given stats to help confirm their voting. This is what he had to say. I think it's a fair question. Um, or should you give them some baseline data to work with? I don't know. I reckon that that could be debated, but um, that'll be for others. The threshold issue is an umpire's vote. That is absolutely the right view, in my view. And, and it's created this mystique and this uncertainty. And if you try, I mean, people want, I don't know what they want,
0: but the Brownlow medal is a huge night. Um, you know, it's it literally,
1: it's hard to get, it's hard to get a ticket to that as it is to the... Grand Final, and there's a reason why, and the formula works, and uh, I think the debate like today is we'll all have we'll all have our views, but it's part of it. And there you go, that's Gillum McLaughlin. the outgoing CEO. Is he finished yet? Maybe he finishes at the Grand Final, and Andrew Dillon will finally come in and get some uh, clear air. <laughs> but the shadow of Gillen continues to be cast. Uh, That's an update for Polaris. Plate clearance deals on now. Save $2,000 on the Ranger, 1,000 EPS plus. Get $1,000 free accessory. What did you think of the Brownlow medal last night? Love to hear from you on the Tempera bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. 736. Were you comfortable with the winner? That's my question. Were you comfortable with the winner? Can I also tick uh, Lockie Neal? I thought he spoke very well last night. Uh, He was certainly surprised that he did win his second Brownlow medal. And again today, you just heard it, he spoke very well. And really the the gist of his conversation was in some ways a bit apologetic to the likes of Nick Dacos and Marcus Bontempelli. Because I think many, including Lockie, didn't expect to take off uh, the highest individual award in AFL football last night. Your thoughts on the Brownlow medal? Love to hear from you. 0487 736 736. We all watched it. What do you think of the coverage? I think they can dispense with the early rounds, going you know, round two and they go through all the games and round three they go through all the games and they break and do something else. I know the Sandover medal was interesting in that the whole count only lasted about half an hour. It was mainly the Hall of Fame that took precedence at the event. I'm not saying we do that, but I'm just wondering if we can maybe skip through the early rounds a bit quicker and maybe get to the halfway stage of the season and then we go round by round by round. Because I just think sometimes early on, when you're going through it all, round three and you think, we've got to get to round 24 here. It's going to take forever. The count is fairly long. It is a big production. There's no question about that. But are you comfortable with it going round by round? Or do we maybe give it a snapshot in the first 10 or 11 rounds? This is how it sits. And then build the momentum uh, for the second half of the season. Just a thought. Love to hear from you. 487 736 736 By the way, thanks to Beaumont Tiles, we're giving away a trip for two to American football's biggest game worth over $70,000. All you need to do is drop just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12th and you're with a chance to win. TNC's do apply. We'll take a break. Bo McDonald will join us on the other side of the break. We'll get a bit of an insight to what Craig McCraig was like as a player. What we see as a Collingwood coach is that what we see, What he's like as a player because Bo and Craig were the Ruck-Ruck Rover combination in a couple of those premierships uh, 20 years ago. It's coming up 13 past five. The All-electric Kia EV6, with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool center, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Great to have you coming here. Just trying to track down Bo McDonald. I know he was down in the Bunbury region today uh, having a look at a uh, women's football game. Uh, Does a bit of recruiting at this stage for Frio. So um, I know he was down there casting an eye over a couple of uh, community football games. 19 past five, we'll try and track him down ASAP. We're here for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years on the Tempera Bedshed text machine, zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six 736, 736. says, I'm dead set, sick of Gill's voice. <laughs> the sooner he goes, the better. From uh, Spuey down there in Bustleton, listening to us on SEN Spirit 621. But your thoughts on the Brownlow medal last night? Are you comfortable with the way it is? I must have checked, uh, it started... It's difficult, isn't it? It goes on... It's on seven, mate, for its entirety last night. Sometimes it goes from seven, mate, to seven, and then back and forth, and you've got to change from one channel to the other. But it rated very well. There's about 900,000 people around the country that saw it on free-to-air TV last night. So a lot of people certainly got into it. Uh, Here in Perth as well, where I think just under 200,000 people saw some part of the Brownlow medal. But congratulations to Lockie Neal. And as I mentioned and we've got Bo McDonald, we're about to introduce him, is that in 2001 and 2002, in 2001, Jason Akamandas won the Brownlow. Brisbane won their very first premiership. The following year, Simon Black won the Brownlow, the West Australian, or we still call him a West Australian, and Brisbane won their second premiership. And a man that was leading the ruck in those two matches was Bo McDonald before injuries set in, unfortunately, for the remainder of his career. Bo, thanks for joining us on the show. It's a pleasure, Peter. Thanks for having us. Is that a bit of an omen? Win at Brownlow, as Lockie Neal did for Brisbane last night, and maybe they win the premiership this weekend.
0: Well, well let's hope so for the Lions. They, um, yeah, certainly a little confidence booster for them, but they, um, no, I suppose it's his second time round, Lockie Neal, so he's a seasoned campaigner. I think he'll, uh, he'll go all right.
1: What is it about the Gabba... Yeah. That has become now. I reckon the fortress in AFL football. When you were playing, uh, it didn't. It was a fortress, but not to the degree it is now. They they are unbeatable at home, aren't they?
0: Uh, yeah. Look, I'm just from looking from afar. They seem to play with a fair bit of energy up at the Gabba. It's a hard, fast ground. Um. So yeah. I'll, look, I'm, I'm not really sure, but they've certainly done well to get through a whole season without losing at home that's for sure.
1: When you were leading the Ruck, uh, Craig McCrae, who's the current uh, Collingwood coach, uh, was like a Ruck rover. He was there in the middle for the most part. Uh, tell us what he was like as a person and as a player when you were playing.
0: Yeah, Fly so probably spent more time like as a high running half forward and then come up onto the wing and I suppose the thing I remember at Fly was how small he was, but he had a huge kick on him. He could bang him from the outside 50 at will and was just a really hard worker but just a really fun guy as well he was always uh always getting the lads together like you hear what's been going on at collingwood and you can sort of relate a little bit because uh yeah he always used to be good on our sort of end of year celebrations and and just a real fun character to have around the club but a lot of guys were like that and gets infectious and you suppose we just really enjoyed our time
1: together. It was interesting, Tom Mitchell was just on the run home with Hayes and Marto and I was reading something about Tom Mitchell suggesting, and as we know, he's played at a couple of AFL clubs before heading to Collingwood. He says, I don't think I've enjoyed my football as much as I'm enjoying it now. And when you look at Craig McRae, who just turned 50 at the weekend, he seems to be fairly calm. He seems to be the same person Win, lose, or draw.
0: Yeah, look. Um, I suppose we only see what we see on the TV, but, um, yeah, I'm not. Uh, he's he's certainly a very. He's been there before and he's done that, and he's he's certainly a a team character. So he'd be he'd be a fantastic coach. He was like a coach when he played. You know, even though he wasn't the captain, he was definitely one of those you know leading guys within our group. There was ten to fifteen of them, and they, um he was certainly one of them. And look, I think a. Yeah, they're, they're in great nick for what's going to be a, a great contest. I really don't know who to pick, to be honest. They're both good teams. Whoever's going to do it on the day, really. I
1: was yeah. thinking about Michael Voss last week. Of course, he went up to his old uh, stamping ground, at the Gabba, as coach of Carlton, and they got beaten. But you could just sense that Vossie still had that connection with the Brisbane Lions. I'm just wondering what sort of connection that Craig McRae still has with Brisbane, even though he's going to try and bring them down on Saturday.
0: Yeah, look, I think it's just you really need to separate the two. I mean, uh, this, this is 20 years ago, and he'll he'll go and try and do the best of his ability tomorrow. But a um, yeah, you, you know, you play football for for premierships, and and you certainly, uh, you know, you certainly enjoy the premierships and the reunions when they come around because that, that that's that's the whole nuts and bolts of why you play footy. So, look, I think a um, you know, once the season's all over, I, um, we'll catch up and and have a good time together again. I mean, it was. We done the same last year. Um, you know, Nigel Lappin and them in the grand final. He even turned up on the Sunday after the after their grand final win mm. for a few beers with the boys. So, um, yeah, we've always been a pretty tight group. Whenever we get together, we have a good time and enjoy each other's company.
1: Saying that, uh, you were picked up from Swan Districts in the, I think, the nineteen ninety seven draft. Went up to Brisbane in nineteen ninety eight. Did you ever yeah. forecast? That the club, because at one stage I think they may have finished the wooden spoon in your early years. Did you ever forecast yes. that they win a three, Pete, like they did? One, two, and three? No,
0: nah, certainly not. I didn't even forecast winning one. Um, you're correct there. I, Blackie and I flew over on the plane in November '97 and we got the wooden spoon in '98. And we were thinking, you know, what's going on here? And a lot of things changed sort of mid. That '98 was a big year. I think, I think you can remember Vossi broke his leg at Subiaco. Um, John Norvey got sacked and Roger Merritt took us for the rest of the year. Um, the good part about that is I was playing a bit of twos footy and because broke his leg, he'd come back and coached us young blokes in the twos for the rest of the year. So that was a great learning experience mm. early on. But, um, and, then, and then Lee Matthews come and it sort of, it all turned around pretty quick. And yeah, to be honest, I'd only been there a year, but the training standards and training just become a lot harder. And yeah, a few, few, few home truths got read out i suppose to the to the older blokes that have been around a while and yeah the whole attitude change was um it was you know it was pretty visible but then it was just about you know the more you started winning the more you started believing and yeah you didn't really know what's what well, i was only 21 lee could have told me the moon was purple and i would have thought that was the case so <laughs> it was just a matter of you know doing what you can do and respect to the group and um you know and up there too we were just around each other all the time um you know, it's a very rugby league sort of sort of place, and um, you know, the, I always tell the story. I think before I went out to an Auskick centre in Ipswich, and had twelve kids in uh, 1998, and I went out and done the same place in 2002, and had two thousand kids out there. So just the growth wow. of Queensland in that three years was huge. So um, yeah, it was it was certainly something unique and something great to be a part of, and. Yeah, let's hope the boys get the experiences
1: um, on Saturday. You mentioned about that wooden spoon. It's a remarkable statistic where most of the Lions Premiership side were actually on that playing list when the club won the wooden spoon in 1998. And you sort of gave us an indication when Lethal Lee came in, the whole whole gambit changed and it became a far more professional club where prior to that, maybe it was a bit of living the high life there in Queensland.
0: Yeah, look, I think just... I think, well, I can only tell from my experience in early days in 98 that they, uh, you know, we certainly did enjoy ourselves a bit on the weekends and, um, yeah, like, I think probably relied on three or four superstars in the team and when Lee sort of came, he made it pretty clear that, you know, what we needed to do to, to get to where we wanted to get to and, um, yeah, and if you didn't come along, you sort of fell out the back door so that was the, I think bringing Lee in was a, was a massive catalyst and something that needed to happen but, it wasn't just Lee; they changed. They changed the whole the whole club, and that's no disrespect to the guys that were there beforehand. There's some really awesome people, but, a um, yeah, it just brought a real, real sense of discipline, I suppose, especially for those older guys who you know played 100 games, 150 games, um, you know, hadn't really been used to winning. Um, I think Lethal was just the perfect coach for them, and and you know, they were just great guys to to play
1: behind as, as young blokes as well. When you look at Chris Fagan, on the other hand, lethal goes down, Lee Matthews, one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Some people suggest that he could be the best player ever to play VFL, AFL football. That's how highly regarded he was. And then you've got someone now like Chris Fagan who... I don't think played a a VFL game or an AFL game. He's 62 years old, could become the oldest premiership coach in history. It's amazing uh, how all of a sudden somebody completely different to those glory years 20 years ago is now hopefully looking at bringing the glory days back to Brisbane through Chris Fagan.
0: Yeah, look, it's, it's fantastic. He's got, he's got a different story and, it's a um, it's a big industry, the AFL, and it's an industry for everyone. And yeah, just because you haven't played doesn't mean you can't coach the game or you can't learn. And um, I think it's a terrific story. And um, yeah, look, let's hope they go well on the weekend. It's going to be it's going to be a, a nail biter, I reckon.
1: Yeah, it should be an absolute beauty. So, how do yeah. you see Brisbane? And no doubt you still have a, a yeah. big interest. Uh, Lockie Neal winning the Brownlow last night did that surprise you?
0: Um, well, to be honest, mate, I didn't, I didn't watch it, but I woke up in the morning and it did surprise me. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a real. Uh, I'm not. I don't get right into the vote counts to be honest. Uh, and yeah. week to week, but it doesn't surprise me. The Calabaru player is. I mean, I thought it would be either Pally or Petrarca or, or Locking Neal or, or Daykos So yeah, not surprised. too surprised. But yeah, it was a. Um, yeah, I suppose it's a, a a little boost for the club. I suppose and. Uh, Yeah, to win two, that's that's just outstanding.
1: Everybody still feels that the MCG is a bit of a bogey ground for Brisbane. They haven't performed well there, even though uh, the last time they played there, Melbourne kicked the last four goals to just pip them at the post. Uh, Do you think there is a phobia about the MCG because it is vastly different to the Gabba? Well,
0: the MCG and the Gabba... um coordinates are exactly the same Um, and it's just a lot harder and faster at the Gabba. I think we're I think just the difference I watch when Brisbane play at the MCG compared to the Gabba is they just go for their skills, they go for their kicks, they go for their handballs and um, I don't think playing on grand final day there should worry them too much. I think in that game against Melbourne, Bagan come out and said look, he made a mistake and tried to kill the game a little bit too early and, and let Melbourne back into it. So I think if they didn't do that, they probably would have almost won it. So I think inside the group, they took a bit of confidence from that. Um, so, look, I don't, I don't think any player will be going down there thinking, oh, no, we're playing at the G, um, especially on grand final day. You, you don't really care where you are. You just want to get out there and get into it. Mm. Yeah. Do, you so,
1: do you sometimes pinch yourself to think that you were part of Brisbane's greatest era and you've got two premiership medallions to show? This humble boy oh. that came from uh, Swan Districts.
0: Yeah, I certainly do. I mean, I wasn't the, the best football player going around. I just played my role in the side. And, um, yeah, I, I, I pinched myself, yeah, still to this day, that, um, you know, how it all happened. Um, just grateful as well to be given an opportunity um, and to be able to be coached by Lee Matthews and uh, Majo McLean and Craig Lambert and um, who else is Scotty McIver. Um, we had so many good, Gary O'Donnell, Johnny Blakey. We just had so many great blokes around the club teaching us how to go about it, so it was just uh, yeah, you do, it. you pinch yourself every day and and um, I suppose that's why I enjoy my job so much now, the footy commission has just been able to try and give kids the best opportunity to, to do what I was able to do.
1: Yeah, and as we let you go, tell us about your current role, you're still involved in football, as you mentioned, working for the footy commission, what does Bo McDonald do these days?
0: Yeah, I, co- I coach the state 18 girls um, this year once again, I think it's the fourth year I've done that, so that was really enjoyable a so I still do that at the footy commission and then part-time I've been doing some rough work with the Dockers boys this year. Um, so that's been that's been really good as well and a great learning experience. Um, just being able to get involved with Jalen and the boys down there and see how they go about it. It's,
1: it's fantastic and um, just learnt heaps. And, yeah, that, that's sort of what, where I'm at at the moment. And finally, regarding Fremantle, because you spent a bit of time down there, a bit of a blip on the radar this year. You still feel there's plenty in that squad to suggest there's some good times just around the corner?
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, just being able to see that, you know, some of the young boys they got coming through, how tight the lads are down there, and you know, just their hungriness to be able to learn and improve is certainly, certainly, as they are good as I've seen anywhere. So look, they, um, I think they'll bounce, will bounce back pretty quickly.
1: Good on you, Bo. Thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, We appreciate your time, and uh, I'll see you around the hood. No worries, mate. Enjoy your run tomorrow. Okay, good on you. Bo McDonald joining us here. Uh, By the way, he does live just down the road from yours, truly. Just a lovely young man and uh, was an outstanding footballer. I think he's pretty humble. 91 games for Brisbane. He's got two premiership medallions and he was part of Brisbane's greatest ever era. Now, they're trying to replicate with this uh, mob. uh, If they win the premiership on Saturday against Collingwood, uh, they could probably go again next year, but I don't think anybody will emulate that Brisbane era, 2001, 2002, 2003. And you look at some of the players that played, you know, there was Justin Lepich, Daryl White was outstanding, Marcus Ashcroft, of course, his son now plays in this generation. There were the Scott brothers. There was Jason Ackermannus. There was Michael Voss, who was the captain, Jonathan Brown, Luke Power, Alistair Lynch, Martin Pike, Craig McRae, it was just, you know, it was just a huge team. Mel Michael, Bo McDonald, i throw him in as well. Uh, they were a formidable combination, one of the greatest AFL teams that we have ever seen. All right, uh, it's coming up uh, 26 to 6. Shortly, I'll be speaking to Alan stancic the brand-new Perth Glory coach. Just before we take a break, it was great to see Ben Cousins, present at the Brownlow Medal last night. Melanie, his sister, accompanied him along. Ben hadn't been there for 18 years after winning the Brownlow Medal in 2005. And this is what he had to say uh, about his reflection on winning the Brownlow in the week of a grand final. You know, I stayed in Perth. uh, So, and I I, you know, I remember the night that I won it. um, I I was living in an apartment Right next to where the casino was, but um, I was home, uh, in bed, and asleep before midnight. So I, you know, I um, I often think that that was it wasn't a bad effort, you know. That yeah. um, regardless of you know how great that was, um, and for it to fall my way, um, I, I sort of knew that you know maybe that was going to be something that you'd reflect on down the track. It was just mm. um, all about trying to redeem us, you know, and we'll get a chance at, at winning, mm. at playing in a flag. Yeah, good on you, Ben. Uh, Looking fantastic. Great to see him at the Brownlow Medal last night. After all, he's one of those celebrated players that have actually won a Brownlow medal. For Irigir, The uh, that saves time and water. Let's just update the cricket. One for 79, a South Australia. One for 79. Hunt is 25. Drew 32. It's in the 19th over. One for 79 in the Marsh Cup. 50 overs a side. WA made seven for 371. That update for Irrigir offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water. Irrigir is here. And on the other side of the break, who's gonna be here is the coach of the Perth Glory. You're listening to Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool center, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change the Change. Me. It's great to have you company wherever you may be listening around Western Australia, in the far north, the deep south, or certainly around the Perth metro area. Welcome to Sports Day WA here on SEM WA with Peter Vlahos. And I'm hearing some really good things that are coming out of the Perth glory as the start of the A-League season looms. And a man that's been given the responsibility of resurrecting the fortunes of the a-league side the purple army here in perth western australia is alan statich and he joins us the coach of the glory alan thanks for your time hi peter how are you very well uh first question are you happy the way the pre-season is coming together
3: yeah look it's uh we've come in halfway through so we've only done what this is coming towards the end of week six of our pre-season and Coaches will usually say it's a good pre-season because there's been no results on the line yet. But look, I'll, I'm happy with how things are
1: tracking for sure. I know that next week uh, you head down to Bunbury to play Melbourne Victory and that'll be a nice touch, of course. As we know, Tony Popovich, when he was coach of the Perth Glory, led Glory to their biggest moment uh, when they won the Premier's Plate. But as we know, at Optus Stadium, they got beaten a penalty shootout in the A-League Grand Final. But that's going to be certainly a nice test for you. Yeah, look, we
3: played a couple of MPL sides and the state team on the weekend, which was a good hit out for us as well. Um, but no doubt playing against A-League opposition will be a, a real test of where we're at and a real marker of, of how far we've progressed. You know, always got to keep in the back of our minds that they're friendly matches and prep matches for the A-League. But no doubt it'll be the best, best litmus of, of how we're tracking and how we're travelling so far.
1: And there's been a nice sprinkling of additions to what is already a pretty strong squad. Are you happy with the way the new players have come together?
3: Yeah, I am actually. They've been there have been a new boost of energy. They've come in with enthusiasm, and that's you know, a pretty stable squad as as you just alluded. But just have that sprinkling of of people who have come in fighting for spots and trying to prove themselves in and, in and amongst the new group and new environment has been really pleasing. And I have to say, all of them have hit the ground running and shown that they're really going to be competing for starting spots mm. in, by the time it gets October twenty two.
1: A nice sprinkling of also young talent. We saw Daniel Benny actually scored a goal for Perth Glory in that game against West Ham United before you took on the job as senior coach of the Perth Glory. Now, he's in the squad and he's getting some game time. What about the balance of some of the youth players coming through?
3: Yeah, he scored a couple against Florrie the other week as well. When we played, I think we won 4-0 maybe off the top of my head and I think he scored two, so... Look, he's tracking really well. He's uh he's a young kid and you don't want to put too much pressure on a young kid, but um, you know, he's certainly shown that he's got the ability to play A League and beyond in my opinion. Um, but at seventeen years of age, long way to go for him in terms of maturity and developing technically and tactically, but He's a really good kid, good head on his shoulders, and, and willing to learn off coaches and senior players. So look, he's, he's definitely got a bright career ahead of him.
1: One player I'm looking forward to actually seeing because we didn't see him at all last season, whether through injury and maybe other factors, I don't know. But Stefan Kolakowski, who came here with big raps, and as I said, we didn't see him last year. He's going through the preseason. Uh, what can you tell us about how he's progressing and what value he can add to the squad?
3: Yeah, look, it's hard to isolate. You know, we've got 28 players at the moment competing for spots, and and Collar's one of those 28. And, and I have to say, he's done really well as well. But ultimately, these 28 players are all competing for those final 11 berths, and, and a couple of spots on on the on the reserves list as well for game one. So, look, he, he's definitely shown that he's capable, both both now in pre season and and in the past at Perth and at Melbourne City when he was a young and aspiring young footballer, and I've got a lot of respect for his talent. But, you know, he's just one of 28 fighting for those for those jerseys on game one. And, and I have to say, all the players have put in, you know, incredible effort and, and developing as a group and developing team chemistry. So that's hard, to just isolate him as a one out and just say he's doing well when, you know, all the others are doing the same.
1: Interesting. 28 players. That is quite a, a heavy squad. Uh, I gather as a coach and your assistants... One thing is to try and balance it to make sure that everybody's feeling happy, everybody's being involved, and everyone feels that they're part of the project.
3: Well, they have to. Uh, Ultimately, we're all here for the one goal. We're here to lift this club up off the bottom of the ladder or towards the bottom of the ladder. And, you know, I saw the sports bet odds the other day, and we're ranked to come 12 out of 12 for this year again. So we've got to prove a lot of people wrong. And that can't happen with one or two people, you know, coaches or players pulling the weight. It's got to be all 28 players, uh, you know, all the staff pulling in the right direction, all the coaching staff, all the admin staff, there's no way you can haul the ship off the bottom of the ocean without everyone's help. So, you know, it's got to be a team effort and, you know, we've all got to be united and aligned in in that process and, as I said, so far six weeks in we are, but the true test of character will come in the coming months for
1: sure. So is the squad locked away, Alan, or are you still sort of uh, perusing to see if you can add to it? No, look, it's locked away for now. Um,
3: You know, I'm really happy with the squad. As you alluded again earlier, it's a stable squad and, and just that sprinkling of, of fresh faces that have come into the group. A couple of young guys, but also a couple of experienced players like Ali Bozanic, who brings a wealth of domestic and international experience to our team. So look, I'm really happy with where we're at. Um, I'm really happy with seeing the talent that was on display even last year. I thought that there was some good performances last year, albeit inconsistent, especially away from home. So some areas that we need to address as a group. But no doubt, if if we play to our potential, I can definitely see us pushing for the finals.
1: What about the type of football? Now, everybody's been in raptures, even though it's early days. They've only played half a dozen games. The way Ange Postacoglu is getting Tottenham Hotspur to play, which is different to what Antonio Conte used to play, which was a bit more defensive. What about your style of football? What do you hope will be different from what we've seen in the past that might excite and entertain the fans and, at the same time, Win games. Yeah, look, I've been coaching for twenty odd years, so hopefully people have watched my teams
3: before this year. But you know, hopefully the trademarks of, of some of the teams that that I've been with, and you know, my assistant coach over the last five years, Noel Arate, we've had teams that have aligned. They're unified. They're all working hard for each other. Everyone has a shared responsibility, and and everyone, whether you're in the team or outside the team, watching as a fan, you can see that everyone's pulling in the same direction, and and really working for each other. And I think that's something that we all want to see in team sports. You want to see a team that's cohesive, that has that, you know, engagement with each other, that connection with each other, and they're all fighting for not only one another on the pitch, but fighting for the club and the fans. And, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm pretty confident that that's going to happen throughout this year.
1: Well, you spoke about when you introduced to corporate clients and all that about those glory days of the Perth glory, and we keep revisiting those glory days all the time. But in the end, you've got to create your own history. And, Alan, I gather you said that you looked at the sport bet odds and they've listed the Perth Glory to finish 12 out of 12. That is frightening to suggest that others expect the Perth Glory not to perform at the level that you expect them to perform. I know it's still early days, but surely you're expecting once for the Perth Glory to be at least competitive and win their fair share of games.
3: Yeah, no doubt. I wouldn't have come here if I expected to come 12th or 11th or even set the bar at 10th or 9th. Like, we're here to compete for trophies and we're here to try and win and get into the Champions League or get into Asia and try to get into world, world Club Championships. Like, I, I didn't travel across the country to aim for 10th or 9th. And, you know, we're, we're aspiring high. We know it's a tough fight. We know it's a tough slog. You know, I'm, not a, I'm under no illusions to think it's going to be an easy job. But I really do believe in the talent that we've got here in the club, both on and off the pitch, that we can compete. And and we've seen in history that the A-League is so close and so tight and it doesn't take much, you know, to to move up a ladder or be competitive or vice versa, go down the ladder as well. So, you know, we've got to ensure we do all all the little things that are going to make us more competitive, build confidence throughout the group, build momentum throughout the group and... You know, after that, I'm I'm really confident that we can take it a long way this season and, and really excite the fans, as you
1: said. Well, success has followed you. There's no question about that. We saw what you did with uh, the Minnows, the Philippines, uh, in the FIFA Women's World Cup. We've seen what you've done with the Sydney FC women on their trail. And you took the Central Coast Mariners from the foot of the A-League table to a grand final as well. So you've certainly got a track record. When I spoke to you at uh, a function some weeks ago, you are talking that you were here solo and the family hadn't arrived. Great news during the week, or in the last couple of weeks, that Annika Stachic, who's your daughter, who's a star of the future, she's a young Matilda, will be representing uh, the Perth Glory in the A-League women's uh, competition, which again is a great signing for Alexa Apakis, who is the A-League women's coach.
3: Yeah, she actually trained with Perth a couple of years ago when they were in uh, lockdown. So Alex got a little bit of a look at her back then when she was only 15, and she was one of the players helped them make up numbers at training sessions. And you know, that's testament to her and to him that that he's asked her to come over. And you know, I'm really pleased for her, really pleased for him. She's she's a young player, a long way to go. She's she's just got herself into the young Matildas over the last 12 months into the under 20s national team, and was a squad member at Sydney last year where they uh, won the title, obviously, and won the premiership as well. So, you know, she got to train with a lot of good players and had a lot of good experiences, and and this will no doubt be a new one for her and a challenging one away from home, away from family and friends and, you know, all all the things that go along with that. So out of her comfort zone a little bit, but, look, I'm sure it's going to be a challenge that she'll relish and and hopefully
1: succeeding as well. And finally, uh, we know what your track record is with women's football. No doubt you've cast an eye without sort of no doubt getting involved too much because Alex Apakis has been the long-standing A-League women's coach. Uh, they've recruited pretty well as well.
3: Yeah, look, I, I hold high hopes for them as well. I know that talking to Alex, he's aiming for the finals as well, and wouldn't that be great for the club if, if both teams got into the finals for the first time in a long time? So he's recruited well. They played on the weekend as well and you know had a few young players out there, but, but Millie Farrow scored the hat-trick, obviously, and showed that she's going to be a handful for opponents in this W League season this year. So, you know, I've got high hopes for them as well. And, you know, obviously I don't get involved in their team, but, you know, we're closely aligned in this club now. And Alex and I and all the coaching staff across both teams, you know, talk regularly and communicate regularly. And, you know, we're a part of each other's lives. So you know, I'm really pleased that we're united in that way.
1: Yeah, no, bring the season on. I'm looking forward to it. I think this is going to be some exciting times for the Perth Glory uh, faithful. Thanks for joining us, Alan. And you've settled in okay?
3: Oh, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still getting there. The supply <laughs> of housing is not the greatest here.
1: Yeah, there's <laughs> not much stock, is there? There's people. not much stock to buy at the moment, unfortunately.
3: No, nah, I, need, I, need I need a loan from the Vlahosa uh, Institute. Oh, no. As nah. uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: long as you know which is north, which is south, where's your home ground, that's all you need to know. Anyway, Alan, thanks exactly. for your time, mate, and uh, we'll catch up again soon, and we look forward to the start of the season.
3: No good. Appreciate your support. Thanks, Peter.
1: Good on you, Alan Thadge, uh, joining us, the coach of the Perth Glory, and we wish him the best of luck. Just a tipping update for the leg up. Australia's fastest growing tipping service tomorrow. Jimmy and Asher Rosehill race for number eight Snowman. Thirty-four degrees tomorrow in Perth, so it's an interesting uh, name, Snowman. Last start, he was heavily supported when back in trip and you could argue that he should have won the race. He was held up at a key stage and only narrowly missed out. Started shorter in the market than Riff Rocket there and gets map favours this time around. As he should land on the speed of a race, devout of speed, he will enjoy the extra trip now and looks the one to beat. So take note of that. Rose Hill Race 4, number 8 snowman. Get a leg up on the bookies with Australia's fast-growing tipping service, thelegup.com.au. All right, uh, that's basically the show for today. Just repeating uh, that uh, we'll be back again tomorrow from 5 o'clock thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. They are the great sponsors of Sports Day WA. I've got a great support team. And, of course, Jimmy Williams, he's the EP. And Asher, who does just a great job panelling. She looks a bit like Taylor Swift, actually. Just looking at her through the glass. Um, everybody come rushing now, Ash. You watch everybody be gawking through the windows. I'll be back again from five. Have a great night, everyone. Uh, this has been Sports Day WA.